You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. Failure. For parents, watching your child fail can be the equivalent of your first heartbreak. Think about it. Watching them when they fall, lose something they love, could be as mundane as a paddle pop stick, can't make friends, they go badly in a test, or they lose a sports game. There are so many ways that children can fail. All of it, heartbreaking. But we're told more and more that failure is important for our kids to experience. So how do we raise children who are fit to fail without having a heart attack? Dr. Laura Jano is a spokesperson for the American Academy of Pediatrics and author of The Toddler Brain, Nurture the Skills Today That Will Shape Your Child's Tomorrow. This is the final of a three-part series. First, we had self-regulation. The second part was learning how to play well with others, and this today is how to get your child fit for failure. You'll be able to find all of the interviews online at kindling.com.au. Just click on Kindling Conversation. Hi, Laura. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Thank you. Why is failing so important for our children? So I'm going to back this up a little bit and give some context, because if we look in the bigger picture world, we're seeing some really big shifts in the way things are done and the values that we have and the skills that are really valuable. Perhaps one of the most important skills these days is failure, right? And we see it all over in companies and people who are hiring. And and the idea that, that instead of wanting to know all your successes, and I want to see all the awards you've won, that's great. But I want to know what you're going to do when you're going to fail. And what we're seeing is that companies interviewing for employees are asking the question, when have you failed and what did you do about it? And then we're seeing entrance exams, whether it's into university or into, you know, whatever programs you're trying to get into. And that question keeps coming up. Part of that's because we live in a world where information is much more readily available. So it's it's not as hard as it used to be to have the right answer. But you need to be able to ask good questions and you need to be able to test things out. And if you're going to innovate and try to solve complex challenges and problems, you have to be willing to fail. Because it's, it's almost essentially impossible to innovate, try something that's never been done before, if you're not willing to fail. Now, I'm going to bring this back down to parenthood because <laughs> that was a very broad answer. If you think about it for parents, you know, we live in sort of our our bubble sometimes, right? And we want our kids to succeed because it's our job to help teach them. And we follow, you know, early childhood developmental milestones. And then they go to school and we want them to get good grades when they're in preschool and, you know, pre-kindergarten. So we get into that mindset and we forget unfortunately, that there's value to a certain degree of failure. And I've always said it's not massive failure we're talking about, but it's a certain degree of failure because that's what helps kids learn to adjust, try something new, get used to, you know, to the idea that not everything's going to be perfect. Which is uh, really hard as a parent. It's much easier said than done. (laughs) It's much easier to write about than doing it. But I think it's a really important concept. But yes, I'm right there with you. It's much harder (laughs) to do than it is to say. And I think... um, for me, it's, I find it really interesting because I know there's a lot of people talk about wanting our children to succeed, to get the best grades and all the sorts of things that come with that. I think the hardest thing I find with watching my kids fail is seeing them hurt. Um, so what is the part of or how would you suggest you manage that as a parent saying, OK, um, you know, let's say it's something as simple as losing a toy. So in a sense, they failed because they haven't looked after their sure. toy and they're devastated that they've lost it. Your impulse would be to go and buy them a new one yes. <laughs> because we all know what it's like to lose something and it's awful. Yes. 
how can we resist that without feeling like awful parents? So if you'll recall, when we talked about we skills and we talked about me skills and much more of that sort of emotional side of, of these skills that are really important for success in today's world, part of it is acknowledging the emotion. Your job is not just to get rid of all emotions or to patch over all of them, but acknowledge it. Because if you lost something that you really cared about, you would be upset or sad. But if you also, and this is where I come back to, the goal of remembering what your big picture is. It's very easy to get buried in the day-to-day. It's a lot in parenthood to manage, right? I mean, just if making sure you've got dinner on the table yes. is, is a lot, right? I used to be proud of myself. If I, if I got a little laundry in the wash once a week, I was really proud of myself. But focusing on that big picture, you want your child to not feel like Every minor loss or minor failure is devastating. And, you you know, you're nodding at me. You know that. You don't want the first time that a teacher or a boss reprimands your child or tells them they didn't do a good job for them to fall apart down on the floor crying, come home, quit whatever it was they were doing, and that's it. It's all over. We know that. And you can make it. I mean, we can joke about it. Somehow we have to get them from, I acknowledge you're being upset, here's things you could do to not lose your toys, help them get over it, as opposed to just make it go away. So it's about looking at the situation and moving it forward for yes. them yes, instead of dwelling. And you mentioned something really, when you just said moving it forward, I always catch people when I say, do you know what the unofficial motto of Silicon Valley is? Fail early, fail often, fail forward. Right? <laughs> now... I always say for children, right, I do a lot with injury prevention. And when I say let kids fail, what unfortunately happens, there's been a commercial that has run in the United States where people are realizing, right, we need to let kids fail and all. But there's been a commercial that has run where it's a child who probably is about five, riding a bike, barefoot, no helmet, wind blowing through his hair down in the middle of the road, down a hill. That is not what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> yes. That is not, you know, that's not intelligent risk-taking. And there is a difference. Intelligent risk-taking is the fail forward. You learn something from it. It's within a safe kind of protected environment. It does not mean get rid of car seats or bike helmets or all these things that we know are really important. And that's the distinction also between massive failure, because there's a lot of potential harm that can happen when you don't put those safety, you know, the guardrails in place versus things like a lost toy. And now you need to, you know, figure out how to get over it or how to put your toys away or whatever it's going to be. You're listening to Kindling Conversation. I'm speaking with Dr. Laura Jana, a spokesperson for the American Academy of Pediatrics and the author of The Toddler Brain, Nurture the Skills Today That Will Shape Your Child's Tomorrow. This is the final part in a three-part series we've done with Laura because she's here from the United States. The first two were uh, me, which was self-regulation, we, which was playing well with others, and now I'm focusing on failure. I've just cherry-picked three out of uh, her book, which has a lot more than the that in it. So if we take that phrase, fail forward, Uh I'm just thinking it might be something I try to lock into my brain every time something like that happens. For us as parents, is it then go, I don't necessarily like this term, but are we trying to look at those moments when they were really heartbroken as a teaching moment? It's that, but it's even letting them have those moments in the first place. You know, and, and to kind of give some kind of framework for this chapter, I called these skills because we talk about failure and ability to fail and adapt and start over and adjust and agility. Those words we use all the time. Business is using them. That's really valuable skill in today's world. So then I'd say, what do we call those skills? 
because I just gave you a, a list, right? A whole bunch of words and descriptions. That's not a term. The term I've come up with is wobble skills. Now, I understand here in Australia that, that a toy that I grew up with was not one commonly you know, used here, but they were called weebles. And they've been around since the 70s at least, all right, in the United States. And they were weighted eggs. So picture a solid toy, an egg, and it was heavier on the bottom. So they would tip. They would wobble, but the tagline or the marketing slogan was weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. And I thought, that is what we need to be doing with our children. Because again, you don't want massive failure. You don't want them falling. You know, you don't want this toy falling over, falling on the floor and cracking, but it wobbles. Now back to the, what do we want to do with our children question? Certainly you want to help them when they've got significant failure and how do they overcome it and, you know, learn from it and then make use of whatever they learned and keep moving forward. But it also means something as simple as, you know, the example I use in the book, it struck me that I was hearing more and more parents say, don't run. Now, I owned an educational child care center with 200 children, predominantly five and under. So I dealt with a lot of children and so many parents would come in and I hear them saying to the children or on the way out, don't run. Not don't run across the street, don't run in the parking lot, don't run on broken glass, don't run into the highway, <laughs> right? Those are all acceptable. But what happens sometimes, and I think this is in parenting in general, we try to do such a good job that we say, don't run, period. And we would have a child every now and then on my playground, which I assure you was very safe and it had all the safety checks and things, and a child would fall because they were running. And sometimes they'd bite a lip or they'd do something where it left them. And there were parents who were very upset. And I, and I thought to myself, I said, I understand because nobody likes their child to get hurt. But what is the alternative? And the alternative is never run. And that's kind of concerning. Well, I use that example when I talk about lots of things. So if we, if we look in early childhood, and in each of the chapters in the toddler brain, for each of these skills, I said, what are the developmental milestones? What milestones do we want children to reach, and what age do they typically reach them? So I got to this chapter on the ability to fail and, and you know, adapt and, and kind of get up and brush yourself off and keep going. I said, what are the milestones? And here's the thing. It's kind of a trick question. Because there are none. Milestones are successes. We are so trained in parenthood to think of what do they need to accomplish and when did they accomplish it and are they on track? And then it gets to be somewhat of a race because you're looking at your neighbor's kids and like they did it faster and better and first and, you know, first try and, and all. And that's not the point. So there are no specific milestones, but there are very good examples. Toddling being the most obvious. If a child's walking well and you do not think that they're going to fall when they're doing it, by definition, that's not toddling anymore, right? Like they're walking. <laughs> yeah. Toddling is the expectation that they are going to fall. And as parents, this is such a good example because it's don't let them toddle uh, you know, around sharp objects. We cover the corners of tables and we remove you know, cords that they might trip over and we you know, make sure there's not an open basement door that they can toddle and fall down. But we create safe spaces for them and then we let them toddle and they may fall over and then they learn to brush themselves off and get back up again. We've talked about the kind of parenting world that we live in now, where we are super conscious of not letting our children fail. I mentioned one of my weaknesses is not wanting my children to be hurt. I think the other one that I'm, I'm sure other parents will relate to is feeling like you are personally responsible for every little bit of pain they feel. So... When I say I don't like to see them hurt, that's just a genuine thing. I don't like seeing them upset. But then there's another element to that, to the, the failing part, where as a parent, I think, and many other parents, I think, have a similar feeling, is that somehow 
everything is our job. Their ultimate well-being, happiness, all that stuff is our responsibility until they're an adult. God help us when they're adults because we won't have anything to do. But is that part of, uh, I guess, you have um, you take us through obstacles that parents have. Is that one of the obstacles where we sort of feel like we have to stop them failing because that's what it is to be a successful parent? Sure. And, you know, this is where... I think probably one of the best things I can do for parents is help parents shift the way they look at that. The first is to validate that feeling because I have that feeling just as much as you have that feeling, which is if you're a parent, you want the best for your child. What I like people to understand is wanting the best for your child does not mean giving your child everything, protecting them from everything, because that is not what's best for children. And the problem is, it's the short term versus the long term. You can alleviate those hurts, those small hurts when they're young, but you're actually unintended consequences, best of intentions. You are setting them up to not be able to handle those minor, you know, upsets, physical, emotional, whatever it is, as they get older. And as you said, you know, what happens when they're adults and we've got no say? Well, here's the problem problem. A lot of people are looking and saying, there is a generation now that are entering adulthood that because our parenting world has shifted so much, are getting out into the real world and they do not have the skills they need. The first time something goes wrong at work, they quit. They don't have these, you know, they can't take the upset. They can't take, you know, constructive criticism, much less somebody saying they did a bad job. They're they're used to everybody getting a trophy. Everybody's a winner. Go to a birthday party. Everybody gets a birthday present. And so if you think about it, day to day, it's tough to watch. But all you have to do as a parent is think to yourself, it's a whole lot more painful if you do not give them the skills they need. And that is why I focused, you know, you'll notice in the book, in the in the toddler brain, I focus on skills, but they're not the typical reading, writing, arithmetic, learn to write your letters and your numbers by the time you go to kindergarten. Those can be important skills, but we've overlooked these social, emotional, you know, ability to fail, creativity and critical thinking skills that are as important, if you don't arm your kids with those skills, it's like saying you didn't teach them to read and they're off into adulthood and illiterate. And as soon as parents think of it that way, then it helps you get past that part of the, I know they're upset and you can sympathize and you can help them figure out a strategy, but the goal is to get them a strategy. And the strategy is not you solving the problem for them. So that's sort of a a shift in the way parents think about it makes it much more empowering as opposed to I feel like a terrible parent because my child just suffered some, you know, some emotional hurt. It's such a um, nice thing to do to try and shift our minds about these things, Laura. Thank you so much for coming in and chatting with us Oh, it is such a pleasure to get to join you in person as well. Really enjoyed it. Thank you, Laura. That's Dr. Laura Jana. She's a spokesperson for the American Academy of Pediatrics and author of The Toddler Brain, Nurture the Skills Today That Will Shape Your Child's Tomorrow. And this is the final part of a three-part series. You'll find it all up on our website. Just head to kindling.com.au where we will link to The Toddler Brain, which, um, as I mentioned, that's only three parts of a book. And I'm going to tell you how many chapters there are. There's seven sections that you can go to. So we've only touched on three. So if you're interested, head to our website. It's published by Nero Books, but we'll have a link to it up there. You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible, and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.